fish on. And welcome back to another episode of Hunger for the Outdoors. I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. I'm Connor. I'm Michaela. And this is Hunger for the Outdoors. We're sorry about the late upload the last week, guys. It took us a little while um, trying to get with a new editing program, and it's taken some figuring out. Yeah, sorry about the audio, too. We're trying out different ways. We bought microphones, trying to figure out how to record an episode long distance with those. It's a work in progress, but we're getting there. Yeah, we really want this to be the best it can be for you guys. Uh, fortunately, tonight, we have Connor in Rexburg with us. We had the benefit of that. Um, unfortunately though, Michaela was not able to make the trip with him. She had work and a class to go to tonight, and so she will be joining us over the phone. Um, Connor, why don't you introduce for us this week's topic? Yeah, this week we want to touch a little bit on, uh, blinds. So, really just any kind of blind you use for waterfowl, uh, big game, anything like that. Um, I know that I don't have a whole lot of, in whole lot of uh, experience with big game blinds, but you know, I have done extensive research on more waterfowl blinds. Zach, you have more experience on the big game blinds, right? Yeah, yeah, I actually have a little bit of experience with it, um, but I haven't spent a ton of time in for big game blinds. Yeah, I don't think either of us own any blinds personally, but we've had the opportunity to use others. And I do have a tree stand. I oh, there you go. Tree stands are a great tool. And so for big game blinds, guys, I guess for those of you that don't know anything about blinds, there's two kinds for big game. There's ground blinds and there's tree stands. Mm -hmm. So um, briefly, just the pros versus cons. Um, on a ground blind, you're closer to your prey, to the game. Um, also, you are a lot more concealed inside of a surrounded blind, so it makes it a little easier for you. Um, and you can always count on game coming through if you have hit a place where you're on a water source, per example, or you're on a food source. Um, you can always count on some game coming to a water or food source, um, and you can put a ground blind in at any water or food source. Now, I, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that uh, ground blinds will help conceal your scent a little bit, too. Have you heard about that, Zach? So, they can. Um, there's a couple of companies out there that sell uh, scent-destroying stuff for your ground blind. Right. Definitely but, not foolproof, but it helps. But if you really want to get your scent out, and that's your intention with a blind, your best bet is going to be a tree stand. Though you're more exposed, your scent is going to be hanging higher in the air, and it's going to take longer for it to travel to the animal. Um, also, I've never seen a deer look in the air for danger. I have always seen him look at eye level, or maybe just a little bit above him, but I've never seen him look up in a tree and say, oh no, there's something dangerous up there. Right, especially out here, you know, a lot of the predators are coyotes, wolves, uh, maybe a cougar or a bobcat here and there, but nothing that's really high up in the trees. I mean, these tree stands, I've heard the... The ideal height is anywhere from like 15 to 25 feet up, roughly. If that. I mean, I've I've hunted out of one tree stand at one time, so I don't have a lot of experience. 
But in that tree stand, I was only like 15 feet in the air, if that. So, I mean, you're not super high in the air, but at the same time, you're not underneath them. Yeah. And if you are using a tree stand, guys, please be careful. Wear a harness. Take all your safety measures. Um, yeah, just same with anything else, really. Just be careful. We yep. want you guys to be safe. Always and isn't it true, um, I guess it is true because we learned about it in our hunter safety, but uh, whenever you use a blind, uh, you're supposed to put something orange on it so other hunters know you better, right? Mm, yes and no. I mean, it's not going to hurt your, your ability at all if you're hunting deer. Um, deer are colorblind, so it's not going to hurt you. Um, one thing that I would say, if you're going to throw orange on your blind or in your tree stand, is make sure that you lock it up. Unfortunately, nowadays, we have such an incredible issue with theft. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure to lock your things up if you're going to be going that route. I would suggest it just to be able to find your blind. Um, I know way yeah. too many people who lose theirs, but make sure you lock your stuff up just because of the people that we have out there working with theft and the loss it is of a hunter. I mean, blinds aren't cheap. They're running anywhere from $100 to, I've seen guys spend about $1,200 on them. So, protect your investments, guys. Yeah, for sure. Oh, what other? Well, how, you, you said that you guys do um, waterfowl in Utah, but you guys don't use a lot of blinds. How do you guys conceal yourselves? Tell me about it. Kayla, do you want to Tell the listeners what we usually do for concealment. Yeah, so we usually walk out into marsh through the water until we find um, some pretty good amounts uh, of uh, reed patch or I forgot what they're called. The fragmites. Fragmites. That's the word. Yes. Um, yeah, we just go out and find a good patch of those where we can um, still see and set up a good blind or a good spread of decoys. Um, we usually go in the middle of those fragmites and um, kind of bend some over so that we could still see when we sit down or stand up. Um, we just kind of make a little hole of where our bucket's going to be in our feet so um, we have enough room to move around and be able to do what we need to to be safe and have fun. Yeah, so we'll usually, I'll take our sled that we have that has all of our extra hunting gear and everything, we'll just take that and move it to a different patch away from us or put it like, on, on the, the other very, side. Yeah, the very far side but right behind us and bend a bunch of reeds over it. Um, and then as she was saying, we'll just sit right there in the middle of that patch and use that as concealment, uh, as well as bending reeds around us to conceal us more, but also get a little bit clearer visibility with our decoys and the water right in front of us. And so that's what we usually do. We just use what's around us, really. But, you know, sometimes that's not really an option. Yeah. So you guys use more of a natural blind then? Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Didn't you uh, build a blind, uh, Zach, this year? Yeah, so I've actually built a couple of them, and then I've had a couple of manufactured ones. Um, as for the one that I've built before, it was 
on a pond that had one part of it back into trees. And we just cut one tree out and built blind. We built the blind with natural, already broken down sticks. Um, and it was pretty effective. The only issue was is we didn't really plan on where we put it. And it wasn't the greatest spot on that pond to put one. However, I, five or six years ago, bought a manufactured blind from Duck Manor. And I absolutely love it. It works for me. The only complaint I had was that it had a big old neon orange spot right in the front. And I found out that ducks don't really like that. But I've also put that blind in the middle of a freaking field, and I was shocked at how many ducks I killed. So it'll work to conceal you, um, though it doesn't look 100% natural. It does work better than just standing out in the open wearing neon clothes. Um, as for an easy-to-build blind that you guys can get for relatively cheap, I spend a little bit more money on mine, but what I would do is I'd take... A uh, 10 foot pole of three quarter inch PVC, spray paint it whatever color. I usually use black or green, those are my go to's. Um, and then get some poultry fencing. We found some green plastic poultry fencing that was three feet tall by 25 foot long. And so you're going to want to cut that PVC in half. And then I would take two sections of that three foot tall and cut one of them in half. So you got about, about four and a half feet tall blind. And I would make it, if I could, ten feet long. And you can weave your natural cover into that poultry fencing. Or you can get, I know Connor has some shields that he likes to use. I usually use just a camouflage net, but... Connor, you've got something better that you've had down at Shields. Yeah, the Shields down in Utah, they have, um, is basically just a rolled up thing of fake grass and fragmites, and what did we say, how big it was? It was four feet tall by... Fifteen feet long? By fifteen feet something long. Like that. It was relatively cheap, it was twenty, thirty dollars. Um, so that's another great option. That works just as well. Yeah. Another great option. It's relatively cheap. Um, probably the closest thing to the real stuff. And it's going to be a lot quicker for setup and takedown as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's a great option for A-frame blinds. Well, and, and with that, you can stick that on the... You can stick that on your poultry boat. fencing. Yeah, you can stick it on poultry fencing. You can stick it on a boat. Yep. You can really do a... Numerous things with it. But with this blind that I'm talking about, you want to zip tie that poultry fencing and the, this grass that Connor has together, and it works phenomenally. Um, and then in order to set up your blind, all you got to do is you can customize the length by zip tying off however X amount of feet you want, and then pound in two stakes. Um, I use rebar. You can use anything that will stick about three to four inches out of the ground and put the PVC on top of that so that it sets on it and it's a beautiful blind yeah another great option for waterfowl are uh, called layout blinds 
and it's pretty much like this coffin-sized thing you lay in. It's got some two flaps that open and close as doors, and a mesh over your face so that you can see the skies above you. And you just pop in and out of it and shoot the ducks as they fly by. Um, I know I haven't had really any experience using them, but Zach, you said that you've used them once before? Yeah, once or twice. I got a buddy who we hunt. We hunted a, a cut grain field by my place, and he had three, and his boy, me, and him went out hunting this cut field, and we put out a couple dozen decoys, and it was kind of fun. You know, it's the first time I'd ever hunted an open field like that. Um, and I think these layout blinds are perfect for field hunting, especially like geese and such. Um, they're a little bit harder for if you're hunting on the water, uh, if you're gonna do something like that, it's probably best to just make one out of like a canoe or your boat or whatever. Uh, yeah. But for buy a layout blind works best with cut fields, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that or if you're in an area where you're on a slough of the river or right next to a bank where you can put a layout yeah. blind, that'd be off, perfect. Off the shore as well. But if you're gonna be on the water at all, you might not want to be using a layout. No, they're not very water resistant. Um, I guess next step is our, our layout slash permanent, or our A-frame slash permanent blinds. Yeah. Yeah, so you can uh, actually go and build the blinds. I've seen ones, I was watching this YouTube video the other day, these guys basically made a house out of a permanent blind. It had a full-size kitchen, it had, uh, it was long enough that they fit, you could fit probably ten people in there shooting at once with heat, space heaters had couches, they had DirecTV hooked up to it. It was pretty much a house for a permanent blind. Uh, but on the other hand, you can make it as simple as, you know, like Zach was saying, just PVC pipes, take it down to the ground and leave it out there. Uh, the one thing to be careful with public land and putting a permanent blind on it is it's a first-come, first-served basis. It doesn't matter if you built it and you put the work into it. If you show up and somebody's already in there, I mean, first of all, it's... Unsportsmanlike to do that. If you didn't put the work in to do that and build that, probably should just not be using it, to be fair. Um, but if you show up and somebody's using it, uh, you're out of luck, I guess. Yep. Also, guys, I'm going to throw a hitch in here. Check your local laws and regulations. Yes, this is so different. important. Um, here in Idaho, that's the way it is. I mean, if we have a... There's certain places that you can and cannot set up a blind. I, I did some research into this. And a lot of places will let you set up a public blind, like on water holes, for a big game. The issue then becomes is exactly what Connor was saying. If you build that and someone else says, hmm, free blind, and they're in there before you can get in there opening morning, you're SOL. You're just not going to get in it. And that's just how it goes. Even if you put in the work, sorry. So if you want to be in your blind, opening morning, I highly suggest you get there the night before and you camp out in it because otherwise, anyone that comes along, it's free game. Mm -hmm. you got to be careful too with where you're at as well. Um, I know the area that Kayla and I hunt, it's the Bear River Bird Refuge. And because it's a bird refuge, you're not allowed to put any permanent blinds there. Though they do have one or two permanent blinds on the property. I think you have to like get on a wait list or something like that to use them. Um, but other than that, you're not allowed to camp out there. You're not allowed to put any permanent blinds. And so that's a big reason why we use just what's around us, more of a natural blind and the natural foliage around us. Um, 
but then again, like, there are other places where you know, they don't care. You can put a permanent blind there. You just got to be careful with uh, how you do it and who ends up using it. Yep. Yep. Um, another thing, guys, we're talking this week primarily about concealment. Connor, you guys do things a little bit differently than I do. When I'm calling and I, I'm i working birds, I don't like to look up at them. But you tend to like to look up a little, a little more, and so you use a different form of concealment than I do. Mm-hmm. Right. I I usually... So it's more just... I like to see these birds and see what they're doing. I love just watching the birds, whether they come down or not. Um... I think what Zach's getting here is the face paint. Is that right? Yep. So yeah, Kayla and I, we, we like to use face paint. It's just, you can buy it almost anywhere they have outdoor stuff. Um, it's really just this little palette of greens and blacks and grays and yellows and stuff. And we just throw it on our face. And what it does is it helps conceal your face a little bit, darken it. Because if, you're, if you have the sun pointing towards you, and you looking up at a duck, uh, you're basically shining a mirror right in his face. He's going to spot that miles away and not even come near you. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I know guys who, they don't use face paint at all, and they kill limited ducks left and right. In fact, one of my buddies that um, I'm talking about here, he, he's actually going to be on our show next weekend. We're talking about duck boats. I mean, this guy's been hunting since he could hold a gun, since he could walk. He knows all there is to know about uh, duck hunting. And <clears throat> just a little tip, something I learned from him is, at least in Utah, I don't know how it is up here in Idaho for you guys, but the ducks down there in Utah, if they're the residential ducks, the ducks that stay there all year round, they're not going to respond to calls. Because everybody in Utah calls. Everybody in Utah practices their calls all year long with ducks. But it's when those migratory bird- birds come in the late season, where they really start to respond to calls. And so he, if he brings any call, he brings a whistle for the first few months of the season. Yeah, and and here in Idaho, early season, we get one strong push early, early of good teal. And after that, just about everything you're going to shoot at has been called at. So you're better off bringing, just like you said, the 6-in-1 where you can do any different kind of call I will carry usually one goose call and one duck call. This year I have a cheap goose call and a nicer zinc goose call, and then I've got a cheap duck call and a nicer zinc duck call. And um, I'm looking at getting an acrylic duck call, but, man, these ducks have just been so hammered. But at the same time... I like to get their attention with that big, loud, honking, hey, I'm over here quack. And after they start to see me and after they, I understand that they're seeing my decoys, I'll move to something a little quieter. You know, I like to move to maybe a, a teal whistle or a, a hen or a Drake Mallard whistle. Those seem to work a little bit better for me on getting my birds to commit in the mid to late season. Yeah, see, and I, I approach it just a little bit different. Um, I like to carry a whole bunch of different calls on me. Um, I carry, you know, like you said, a really nice zinc goose call, a really nice zinc 
mallard call. Um, I did just this season, I recently switched over to a single read call, which allows me to call a little bit louder, a little bit farther. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to get the right pitch and tone out of, but once you get it down, it sounds beautiful. Um, I also carry around a teal call, as well as a, a whistle. Um, and I also carry around a wood duck call. We don't see too many wood ducks in Utah. They're pretty rare, but hoping one day I'll find one. <laughs> if I find it, I'm going to mount it. We all, oh man. And the one thing that I'm hoping for is I, I want to shoot a banded bird. That's my dream. Oh, yes. That's every hunter's dream. I got to throw a pitch in here for you guys. If any of you have pictures of your your bandits, send us pictures because that's freaking sweet. Oh, we, yeah, we love we to love see, to see that because that's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's kind of fun for us. Other than that, for blinds, uh, boat blinds, I guess. What do you know for boat blinds? Yeah. Uh, the same friend I'm talking about that we're going to have on the show next week. Um, he took us out on his boat. It was my first time hunting from a motorized boat. You and I floated the Snake River in a boat, which we'll get to here in a second. Uh, but he, all he did really was he took us out on his mud boat. And he just drove straight into a big pile of fragmites, and we bent the reeds down over us, and we called that good. That was our concealment. Um, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. We couldn't find a comfortable shooting position from the three of us in the boat, so we ended up moving the boat, and we just sat there in the reeds. But up until that point, it worked great. Um, you know, We saw ducks swarming all over us. And it was a pretty successful hunt. We had a lot of fun that day. So why didn't our hunt this early season go successfully, Connor? I think it had something to do with uh, deciding to take a little Ford Edge and a boat into a foot of snow. But I don't think that's what you're talking about. (laughs) That was our first mistake. So those of you that don't know, early this past year, I bought a... I mean, it's just a little, I, an aluminum boat. It's a little dinghy. Yeah. A I mean, little it's, dinghy, yes. It's tiny, and it was a, it's a lot of fun. I didn't spend more than $100 on it. Um, still nope. currently searching for a motor. I yeah. might have a trolling motor set up for it for this year. Oh, that would be exciting. Um, but Connor and I decided to, you know, we had Connor and Michaela come up for, for duck hunting season, and... Connor and I got up before the gals and decided, you know what's going to be fun today? We're going to go out duck hunting, and we're going to go take the boat down the river. Um, and we're in the southeast Idaho region. And so we get in the boat, and, well, no, not even, we pulled up to the area. And it's probably a 60-degree decline down to this boat ramp. And I look at Connor's car, and I go, yeah, that's not going to work. Keep in mind, there's a good, what? Six inches at yeah, least. four to six inches. Of snow on the ground, and I'm sitting there going, my first thought is, we could bobsled this thing. And so Connor is getting ready, and he asks, do I need my waders? And I thought to myself, it'll be an easy float. I watch guys do this all the time. What didn't register in my mind is I watch guys do this all the time in drift boats. <laughs> drift boats, for those of you that don't know, are very popular with fly fishing guides. They can go in about three inches of water. My dinghy cannot my dinghy needs at least six inches, without a question. <laughs> I did not realize this. 
So Connor and I get the boat off the trailer. And I yell at him to start pushing, and he's going, what in the crud? And we will post a picture of Connor and I next to each other, because Connor is a little bit bigger than I am. And so my first thought is, if I can get Connor in it when we get momentum, he can help me push it with his, with his weight. You call me fat? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> it's fair. I'm a much larger man than you. But in all fairness, guys, Connor has been a wrestler for several years. He's in pretty good shape. He still works out with the boys. But... He does have a little more weight on me, and so I figured his momentum could help us get the boat in the water. So about 20 feet from the surface of the water, I tell him, jump, jump in, jump in, jump in. And I, so I didn't exactly know he was going to yell that at me. And so I just nosedived face first into his boat. I landed on a bag of decoys and his fishing rods. And it's like, oh gosh, I hope I didn't break any of his poles. Because he's got some expensive ugly stick poles in there. So anyway, we get down, Connor hits the water, and I swear we skipped probably 30 feet out in the water as I'm just barely trying to jump in at the last second. <laughs> we get out there and we start enjoying this flow. And earlier that morning on the way to the river, I'd shot this little teal, and it was a beautiful bird. And for those of you that haven't listened to our previous podcast, I carry with me in my hunting pack a little camp stove or a little packing stove. And so I thought to myself, you know what would be really good right now? Some breakfast. And so I started up my little camp stove and sitting there trying to cook this teal. And all of a sudden, within a second, I mean just a split second, that boat went from running about five miles an hour to a dead stop. And my duck went everywhere. And my gear went everywhere. And I was not very happy. Come to find out, we'd run on the rocks. And so we tried for, what, an hour to use the paddles? I, I think throughout the total hunt, we spent probably an hour. But that the first time, we probably only spent you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Trying to get ourselves off these rocks with these stupid paddles. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a disaster if this is how it's going to end up. I felt bad though. I'm like, man, my fat butt's weighing us down. I was, I, I offered. I was like, do, do you need me to like get out? Well, I don't want to offer. I'm sorry, I didn't offer this first time. I offered later on because I did not want. The, there was ice. This is after the, like six times of us getting stuck. There was ice on the shore of this water, guys. I did not want to get in there without my waders. But Zach this is being the Snake River in like. Was it Think, the first end of November. Of it, was, it was Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it was end of November, beginning of December. And Zach, being the champ he is, he got out in his pants and boots and just pushed the boat. And we probably been doing that, what, at least six yards. times? Yeah, 100 yards at least. Yeah, we ended up having to do it like six times we got stranded. But uh, did we have any kind of concealment with that boat? I think I had camo shirt on. And that I was, was about it. I was wearing a blue and black jacket. That was that was the extent of our our hiding, guys. <laughs> In a silver freaking boat. And then I start to uh, have some problems with my gun. Some problems. And so I get my wife on the phone to get, tell him to start heading our way to get ready. And I'm standing up in the boat. Connor's sitting down. And a pair of beautiful redheads are flying right at us. 
and I'm getting excited. And so I go to cock a gun in my shell. Cock a gun in your shell? Or cock a shell in my gun. Gosh dang, that was, that was great. I go to cock a shell into my gun, and those of you that know about Stevens, or even Winchester, know about the extractor. Well, my extractor retainer had come loose. That little screw in there had come loose. And that extractor retainer had had both arms snap. And so I went to go eject my old shell and pump in a new one for these two redheads. And there was no ejection. And I got to watch as those two beautiful redheads flew right past me. But as they I were... just suck at shooting. I have no excuse. <laughs> but as they were coming at us, they didn't come right over us. About 50 yards away, they veered to the right. Because we're in this big, old, ugly, silver, neon sign boat in the middle of a river. Well, the sun beating down on us, too. And so... As we sit there and watch these two beautiful redheads fly past us, again, our boat hits a rock. A big rock. And I'm standing up. Those of you who know anything about weight distribution knows that when you stand up, your weight distribution is much worse than when you're sitting down. Connor was able to stay inside the boat. However, I was not so lucky. I went tail end straight into that river, and let me tell you, the water in Idaho, at the end of November, the beginning of December, is not warm. I thought that I might die right then and there. He was completely submerged. Our boat almost capsized. I jumped immediately out of the water. My phone fell on the seat, and I told my wife, Change of plans, you guys need to get out of bed now and get your butt over to me. I just fell in. The rest of that trip was a lot of fun. We ended up getting Connor a duck that day. Um, took us a while. Well, unfortunately, you know, it, we I only would get it that day, I didn't we? only crippled it. You know, this was a beautiful drink, Goldeneye. And unfortunately, I only crippled it. And he dove under the water, popped up 20 feet down shore. Did that probably two or three more times while we were trying to paddle towards him. And eventually just kept going past the boat ramp, and we couldn't get him and paddle upstream, so we had to let him go. I felt pretty bad about that. I did too, and that was, that was heart-wrenching. But yeah, the point of this one, guys, is every flock of birds, every group of geese that we rolled up on, before we even got within 100 yards of them, they took off. They could see us coming. We never had a chance on any of those birds. And so this year, my plan is to go, and I'm buying... Camouflage spray paint just from Walmart. I'm going to buy a couple of stickers with letters and numbers so that I can put my boat number on it. And I'm going to camouflage the boat. And then I'm going to... I built a blind that will fit inside that boat. And so we're going to put that on top as well. So, different plans for this year. Keep a little more concealed. Shoot a few more birds. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, some other options. If you don't want to go into the big whole boat thing, you can just get a kayak too. I see a lot of videos on YouTube people hunting out of kayaks. They make a layout blind out of the kayak or anything like that. And that seems to work great for them. Yep. And if you can get to a place where there's a little island of fragments with a kayak, that would be awesome. That's yeah. really convenient. So, um, but as for blinds, I think that's about it. I don't know. Covers it. Yeah, there's, there's a really infinite amount of blinds 
that you can do or you can make. Um, and like we said, we, you don't have to go out and buy these things either. Because blinds, at least for waterfowl, can run from anywhere from you know, $100 to you know $600. But you can go buy the tools and make an A-frame blind for under $100, really. Well, under $50. I mean, the one that we were talking about with the PVC and the poultry fencing... I think we caught, we estimated the cost. If we were to build two of them, it would cost us fifty dollars. So twenty five dollars per blind. Mm-hmm. And that's probably relatively cheap. With that uh, poultry fencing too, you can make that adjustable, right? Yes, you can adjust it to any length. Um, I cut off one section at a time, which makes it three feet tall. I like to do a section and a half. So instead of three, I'm sitting at four and a half, which is about right for me to stand up and look and be able to shoot out of. Um, or even Michaela, she's a little bit shorter than I am, and she can do that. For those of us that are even shorter or just want to sit, three feet would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he can adjust the length, too. So if it's just Zach going out on a hunt, he can make it, you know, three, four feet wide. If it's all four of us going, he can make it 10, 15, 15 feet. Yep. Yep, it makes it really convenient. But I guess at the end of the day, guys, what we're trying to say is uh, we've done everything. I've shot birds. I've shot almost shot a limit just standing out in the middle of a field in no hunting clothing. I just happen to have my shotgun in the back of a pickup. But overall, more concealment equals more numbers. Try to stay concealed, and you'll see more birds work in your area. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, I think that about wraps it up, right? Yep not much else um, um always as always guys comment on our videos or on our facebook or on our instagram if you want to see an episode on something specific if you guys have something specific to your area let us know and we'll cover it yeah shoot us an email yep um melissa do you want to give them some of our announcements so i have started making stickers so if you want a sticker for hunger for the outdoors Email us or message us on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll get you one sent your way. It'll be our logo with that red deer and say Hunger for the Outdoors under it. Yep. Um, We're also starting, guys, to look at tumblers. And so if you guys want to order a custom tumbler, message us, and we can talk about that with you guys in a PM. Yep, we can do custom stickers on it if you'd like to, so. And just so everyone knows, like, me and Connor didn't know this, but explain to those who don't know what it is, what is a tumbler? Tumbler is um, basically a a stainless steel water bottle. Yeah, it's an insulated cup, Um, like a Yeti, or you can get them from Walmart, relatively cheap but we get ones that we like and we customize them and so if you guys are wanting those we can do that for hunger for the outdoors um, you guys customize those by hydro dipping right yeah so we've started hydro dipping them and Throw stickers on them too if you want yep we can get any color you guys want and make it so that you guys have more of an outdoorsy way to enjoy your drink um i know mine's going to be my favorite color um We've already made one for us that I really enjoyed. Um, and so we can always get you guys set up with one of those. Just send us a personal message or an email. Yep. 
And I start making them, and we'll get some pictures up on the Facebook and Instagram page as soon as they're completed. But I still have a few more steps until they're done. It'll probably be this weekend when this comes out. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be out on Instagram. Yep. Are we doing, like, car decals? Yep, we can always do car decals. Um, If you guys want decals for a custom occasion or if you guys just want um, our logo, you know, Hunger for the Outdoors, we're doing lots of those. So if you guys want to order them, again, message or email us. Probably your best bet is going to be messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. Do you want to run through all the ways to contact us, email, social media, everything? Yeah, so you can contact any one of us individually, but your best bet is going to be on Instagram at hunger, the number four, the outdoors. Our Facebook is hunger, the number four, the outdoors. Um, and our Gmail is hunger, the number four, the outdoors at gmail.com. And we are incredibly responsive. If you guys ever want to know anything about any of us, um, we'll probably do an episode just on us eventually and kind of our daily lives and who we are, where we got, how we got to where we are in depth. Um, but if you want to order stickers, if you want to request special episodes, guys, we want to do what you want to hear. And so if you guys want to hear something, please let us know. We would love to cater to that. Yep. We have also set up a phone number so you can text us at 801-382-9401. Yep. Text us your name and questions, your questions. Comments. Yep. Yeah. Uh, honestly, guys, we, we decided to start this whole thing up for you, for the listeners. Um, I know the episode we did about big game hunting and you know, things to pack for that, how to prepare and everything. Um, that was from a listener. You know, I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, I got a son who wants to uh, learn how to hunt big game. He does a little bit with his friends, but he wants to get more into it. Do you have any advice or anything that can help him? So yeah, we can do an episode on our podcast about that. And you know, later on, we'll, do, we'll go even more in depth on that. We're just trying to get you guys what you want to hear. We're trying to talk about what we love, and that's why we started this podcast originally, is because this is this is our passion, guys. This is what we love. But at the same time, there is nothing more satisfying than being able to help those wanting to learn. And so that's our desire with this podcast, is to help you guys learn what you want to learn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, just stick with us, guys. We've got a lot of big plans coming up. Uh, we've been really busy just with work and school and stuff, but you know, we've been working on getting an LLC so we can start you know, selling these things to you guys, getting some merch out. Um, we've been looking at getting a YouTube video, YouTube channel started up here in the next couple months. And um, here in else? the next few months, we've got, I mean, several episodes that we want to have come out um, and several YouTube videos that we want to do. Once this winter kicks off, guys, I know that this has been really slow. It's slow for us, too. That's why we started this originally is because it was a slow time for us. But once this summer kicks on, guys, we're going to be uploading videos left and right. We're going to have our Facebook and Instagram blowing up. Um, we, we want to interact with you. And so, you know, before fishing season hits, let us know if you want to do a fishing trip with us. We would love to come out to where you guys are and do a fishing trip and you show us how you guys do it. Um, if you guys want to do a hunting trip this year, let us know. We, we, we go down to Utah every other year, and Connor comes up to Idaho every other year. So if you guys, this year is our year in Utah. If you guys are in Utah, 
let us know. We would love to go down on a hunt and hunt with you guys for a couple days on ducks or, you know, whatever it be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'd love to meet some of you guys, hang out, just do whatever. Do what we love, be in the outdoors. Yeah. And in between, right before hunting season this year, we probably will do a meetup somewhere, a central location, and let our listeners come and meet us and see, you know, get to interact with them and talk. So Yeah, just hang out. Maybe do at a lake or something. Do some fishing. Another thing, we're trying to uh, shorten our episodes a little bit because we know they've been a little long. Yep. And so this one will be edited down. It'll probably be about 40 minutes long. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, until next time, I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. I'm Connor. I'm Michaela. And this is Hunger for the Outdoors. We'll see you guys next time.